The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. And now, The Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Happy New Year Year. from the near frontier, and welcome to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. That was not, by the way, a a wounded goose. That was a party favor, 49-cent party favor from from Walmart. Shiny. says 2018 on it. And it worked about as well as we would expect it to. Yeah, the 59-cent glow sticks worked pretty well, though. They're very glowy. Right, and they lasted more than 24 hours. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, so uh, welcome to 2018. Thanks for tuning in. We've got uh, Cam and Miss E here at the kitchen table. We've got uh, Kid 4. Hanging out in the background along with no, Dog Kid 4. Five. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Kid 5. <laughs> Sorry about that, Kid 5. <laughs> Apparently, I think of you as five minutes older than, <laughs> than Kid 4. Uh, we have Dog Number 4. We have uh, Dog Number 1. And uh, Dog Number 2 and 3 hanging out with us as well. So, uh, all dogs, yes. We are surrounded by our pack this evening, uh, and we've got Missy for at least one segment. This might be kind of a split format uh, kind of podcast. We might do some at the kitchen table. I might do some uh, in my studio tomorrow, but uh, we wanted to certainly check in with Missy. We know that uh, a lot of you have been uh, in contact with us, whether it's on you know Facebook or Corny Goat Farm, the Instagram page for Corny Goat Farm. Um, and we got Christmas cards, so thank you yeah. very much for some of those. That was really nice to, to, to find those in the mailbox. I was really surprised. And and I promise you will get replies. Uh, thank you cards. I gotta send those out, and that's on me. Yeah. But, uh, uh, because Missy's been kind of under the weather, you know, for the past week or so. Starting to feel better, though, right? Yeah, yeah, the chemo, it's funny. It's like the day of treatment, I get home, I'm just tired. The next day, I'm just tired. But then I'm, like, solidly nauseated and exhausted for a good week to 10 days. And it's like a good week before I feel like, oh, I don't feel like that sh- crap anymore. Yeah. So Today, I mean, usually it's about a week because it was last yeah. Wednesday. It's Wednesday night as we're recording this, and today was the first day that you told me that you actually felt close to normal. Yeah. And this is the first day that you kind of have acted like you felt close to normal. Yeah, you, you know? went out and got everybody's watered. That's awesome. I thought so. Wow. Thank you. Why did you do that and not uh, one of our, our strapping young children? Because I had to take a dog out anyway, and oh. I figured I'd check. Let's see. All right. I did find a broken part, so that's good. And then I found a broken fence, so it's another good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing I was out there, because so the hose and at the to the piggies, the switch is broken. So oh. you can't toggle it. I mean, you can, but you got to be careful about toggling it back and forth. So I need a new end of that. And the goats have managed to uh, eat through a bottom section of the fence so that they can all get through a hole. So I have to fix That's the fence. That's how they've been getting out. And they ate the um, ground lead coming from the solar panel. So uh, there's doesn't fen- the fence doesn't work now anyway. Oh. So, you know, it was a good thing to go outside and find some things that I needed to find. Well, these, you know, goats are only going to be setting themselves up for, uh, for for harm because a few weeks ago I was down by the creek and I found a dead coyote yep. half in the creek. Still not sure what exactly happened, if he was shot by a hunter and then, you know, died there or if it was some other natural causes. Um, but, you know, this is the time of year where... I'm very careful not to let the chickens out. Yeah. Uh, you know, they might get out for 45 minutes or so at the end of the day, but that's about it because this is the time of year when stuff gets snatched. Yeah, and there's stupid goats. 
and uh, right, exactly. So you know, I'm not worried about hawks or anything, but I'm I would be worried about coyotes actually getting one of those goats cornered, and especially soon because the a couple of them are are obviously pregnant. Obviously pregnant, yeah. Like uh, to the point that the other night I was out shutting up the chickens, and I hear this me off in the distance and R- I'm like oh 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 no uh, that sounds really small that sounds really really young really tiny but it's and it was too chico early. oh it's just chico and uh, and then i realized that they had actually gotten out and i was you know it was cold and i think it was just chico saying like please give us a warmer place to live and well, the I, thing I, is is when you get out of your fenced in area where you have three perfectly good ig- igloos <laughs> right. and by the way our goats are nigerian dwarfs so they're little tiny goats yes Four of them could stick themselves in one of those igloos yes. and be warm and toasty. No. What do I see this morning? They're all lying around under a tree. I know. It's freaking 10 degrees outside. And these idiots are like, whatever, dude. Yeah. So, they actually, yeah, they, they, they are fine. Um, no, I know. The, the vet told me they're roommates. So they're like cows. And mm-hmm. cows are actually ridiculously comfortable when it's like 30 degrees outside because the active digestion elevates their body temperature. I was actually reading uh, a dairy farmer on Twitter earlier today. We're getting commentary from the canines. Canine commentary on 40 acres. Of the pool. <laughs> um, and, uh, and this dairy farmer was talking about how when she was a kid, they would actually warm themselves up in the winter by going and putting their hands on cows because they were so they were so warm yeah so yeah the goats are are fine Uh, i always felt bad when the goats when i'd start to milk them in my head and i had cold hands because i'd be like whoa sorry guys i didn't tell you this moment yesterday but this was one of those gross goat moments and we might that's zelda and that's the spray bottle of cider <laughs> right apple yeah cider apple, vinegar. a little bit of apple cider vinegar in there because i really can't stand the smell and uh we just usually i'm not when i'm not doing the podcast if a dog does something i will spray that at them and say no whatever i don't want them to do like no bark no bite no stop eating your brother whatever you right. know that kind yeah. of thing so I, I am kind of surprised that chico didn't have any icicles on his face this morning because when i was out last night uh at one point again i hear the me and i go over and it's chico and so i scratch chico on top of the head kind of you know forehead area right and uh and then chico proceeds almost immediately to put his entire face in the stream of pee from one of the female goats and just i'm like oh i I wanted to wash my hands so bad i never touch him uh yeah and they'll pee and pees on his own face i know because bucks are gross yeah goats are gross it is funny like this is one of those things i think we've kind of talked about this before the those who would put these anamorphic uh you know human traits on animals and it's like well if you really if you really try to apply that you know across the board like in all things animals are just like humans we would be throwing most animals in prison yes because they're animals yes no morals <laughs> or ethics or anything that could be remotely be like you know good judgment you know no our boy goats would have all gone to prison for you know unconsensual whatever and in you know incest or <laughs> right just, it's roosters yeah. too i mean uh, yeah. seriously just uh, and uh, our pigs Oh. You know, maybe even cannibalism. Yeah, you know? right. So, yeah, they would all be in jail. So please stop <laughs> anthropomorphizing the funny little animals. It always cracks me up when I see people on, oh, look at all the cute little baby goats in pajamas. Or that one person who adopted one of our baby goats two years ago for a therapy animal, uh-huh. and they adopted a boy. I thought, man, you do not know what you're doing. 
and I'm not going to tell you not to buy it. So here, I'll take your money, take your go, get away from me. All right. Well, speaking of not knowing what they're doing, we got to take a time out. But when we come back, I want to talk about this story I saw in the New York Times. Um, unfiltered fervor, the rush to get off the water grid. And the, oh, yeah. uh, the, the uh, New York Times article uh, starts out by um, talking about a, a store in San Francisco. That's, uh, you know, kind of like the... Uh, I guess it's kind of like a you know the the country store Rainbow Grocery, a cooperative in uh, the Mission District of San Francisco, has one brand of water. It's so popular, it's often out of stock. New York Times says, but one recent evening there was a glittering rack of it, glass orbs containing two and a half gallons of what is billed as raw water, unfiltered, untreated, unsterilized spring water, thirty seven dollars. For a two and a half gallon jug, we are in the wrong business. With Fifteen dollars per refill, bottled and marketed by a small company called Live Water. Um, we'll talk about this because I think this is crazy. Yeah, uh, but this is apparently a big thing now. Only in uh, particularly in, in Silicon Valley, I was where just you know, say, right? Please, please, can they? Can we just let them be their own country? <laughs> It's amazing. Now, I'll leave you with this one paragraph here uh, from the Times. The founder of Live Water, Mukandi Singh, started selling spring water from Opal Springs in Culver, Oregon, three years ago, but it was a small local operation until this year. Marketing materials show Mr. Singh, uh, born Christopher Sanborn, sitting naked and cross-legged on a hot spring, his long brown hair flowing over his chest. That's Mr. Singh there. That's funny. He doesn't look like a Mr. Singh. No, well, he looks more like a Christopher Sanborn, he? looks like he? That, uh, that dude. What's his name? J.P. Sears? He's the one who, who does all these funny little YouTube videos, and he's always like, oh, here, I'm going to show you how to be a social justice warrior. And he's just so... It's, it's satire. Okay, yeah, satire. It's hilarious. Okay. And he looks a little bit like that guy. And that makes me less, even more less inclined <laughs> to take that water thing seriously. I'm just amazed at, you know, marketing materials about raw water, unfiltered, untreated water. And part of your marketing materials is a dude sitting naked on a spring. I wouldn't want to right, drink the water. Right, exactly. Like after it's spring. been after it's been that dude's bidet. Yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not bottling that and putting it in my mouth. Anyway, no, thank uh, you. we have much more to talk about. So stick around. Will you stick around for one more segment? Yeah, one. All right, stick around. We've got Miss E for another segment. Yay! We'll be right back with more right after this. Forty acres and a fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Gray. That's the thing. Jeffy would never. Jeffy doesn't do the kissy face thing. He's doing far more than that. That's what I'm saying. He shows up without his pants on. And so right. <laughs> you got other things to worry about. Oh, kissy with face. Jeffy. I ain't got to worry about kissy face. I ain't got other stuff to worry First about. First of all, <laughs> yeah. I'm just airing out the lower half of my body. <laughs> Pat Gray. Weekdays, noon to 3 Eastern. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Okay, so uh, hopefully you grabbed yourself something to drink in the brief time that you were gone, and hopefully it wasn't raw water. Yeah. Because that's just gross. I uh, tweeted this out on, uh, well, on Twitter, at Cam Edwards, that every time I have heard about this raw water story that's come up over the past couple of days, I just keep thinking about the critters that I have found 
in our creek. Or the critters are the people. Like our kids have walked in it, dogs walk in it, deer walk in it, things poop in it. We've we've I've caught crayfish and there's frogs and there's fish. And it's really clean and it looks awesome, but I wouldn't be sticking my face in it and taking a big swig. And unless I had one of those, you know, emergency weird straws that I got you last year for Christmas. Yeah. Now, so there, so there is that aspect of, you know, naked dude sitting on a hot spring and then bottling that water up. But then there's also um, some companies that are, you know, collecting rainwater and, and things of, uh, of that nature. Um, New York Times article talks about this uh, company called Zero Mass Water that uh, install like water collection panels. Uh, it's called Source. Retails for $4,500, uh, including installation. draws moisture from the air the way rice does in a salt shaker filters it producing about 10 liters of water a day storing about 60 liters uh the goal according to uh, cody friesen the founder and chief executive is to make water that's quote ultra high quality and secure totally disconnected from all infrastructure Mm. but 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 here's the thing if you're just collecting it from the air how pure do you think that's going to be in, let's say, China. Los Angeles, well, Beijing, <laughs> <Yeah>. or Los <laughs> Angeles, or Denver? I mean, like, right? I mean, yeah. in order for that to be really pristine, clean water, you're going to have to clean have the air. clean air. Yeah. So I, I, I just, for the life of me, I don't get it. I mean, I think, I, this, is, I think this is the push for the new Perrier. I, I was I watching so. a show on uh, National Geographic about how the 80s was the decade that totally defined us because mm-hmm. everything came out in the 80s and the, you know, the Walkman and the personal computer and all the, you know, all this, all the technology that sort of like shaped how we are now. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things was um, con- conspicuous consumption. Like up until the 80s, people had saved a significant part of their save of their income. Yeah. And it was always just savings. And now there's all this crap to buy and some of that crap was things like pardon me do you have any that fancy mustard that you, you <laughs> great poupon yes okay, I don't know I could say, you can say great poupon. and then Perrier like somebody threw bubbles in water and put it in a pretty bottle said it was French and all of a sudden there are people spending lots and lots of money on water yeah where their grandparents would have been like knocking them upside the head for that that's true speaking of uh, bubbly things in pretty bottles uh, this segment Kind of brought to you by the uh, an alternative to uh, raw beer, the uh, Trogues Mad Elf Ale. Uh, I will give a shout out to Trogues. I was actually up in Hershey, PA, first day of my vacation, and uh, went to uh, Hershey Chocolate World, got the kids some cool stuff for their stockings, and then the Trogues Brewery was right there, so I had to stop, and Mad Elf Ale is probably my favorite beer. I'm really not That's, a beer guy. That is the only beer that I've actually seen you finish a bottle and have another one in a decent amount of time, right? Because usually you're like you get down to like I don't know, like there's a, like a, a third fifth. of a bottle. No, left. there's usually about a fifth of a bottle left, and then I'm like, man, I'm kind of done. Or you just leave it, and all of a sudden, then like an hour or two later, you're like, hey, do you want to finish Did my you beer? Yeah, I want your warm, nasty backwash <laughs> beer now. Thank but you. But so I haven't much. asked you if you wanted to finish. No, the because you are finishing them all by yourself. Exactly. Good for you, because so. one of us can't drink anymore. I know, so I'm drinking for two. That's. I, that's <laughs> 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 Which for me is the equivalent of drinking for about half because yeah. I really don't drink no, a whole lot. Drink a but lot. Uh, yeah. uh, but no, I will. I will recommend this. They only put it out once a year. It's called the Mad Elf Ale. Um, but if you are ever in the Hershey, PA area, go by the Trogs Brewery, and I believe it is pronounced Trogs uh, Brewing, and uh, they got some really good stuff there. there so you there you go. Much better than drinking raw water. Yes. All right. Um, I'm hearing whiny dogs. Probably need to take one of them out before they start barking and yipping and yelling. But this is a pretty short segment. So 
We can talk a little about Christmas. We can talk a little about Christmas. So um, it was weird this year. Yeah. The first time in 28 years, one of my kids wasn't with me. That's right. Because the first Christmas I always had that I was with, with him, I was actually pregnant with him. Yep. And so, yeah, so this is, it was the first year, but he just moved and he just started work and he couldn't take the time. He's, they're going to try to come for Easter for a visit. Well, that's good. Yeah. But, and, and, you know, I get it and he's working and yeah. I'm glad that he's working and they're all adults, but kid one have, came home. Yeah. We had four fifths of the yes, kids there and it was nice. Uh, yeah. Oldest kid came home on Christmas day and I, I thought it worked out pretty well. I know that yeah. you were kind of worried cause I was kind of pushing you Yes. Towards this, but I'm glad that it worked out. Uh, the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts is actually open every day of the year, including Christmas Day. And free admission. And right. You just it's pay free for admission. And, and we actually signed up for a family membership, so now the parking was free. So I told Missy, e, I was like, listen, why don't you take youngest daughter? And when you go pick up oldest daughter on your way back, stop off and hang out at the museum for a couple of hours and yeah. just, you know, enjoy yourself. And uh, Missy's concern was that she was not going to be feeling well and feeling, you know, up to going anywhere and was kind of concerned about, you know, sick people and being around sick people. Yeah. But I went bad. No, because mm-hmm. again, because it's Christmas Day. Now, you said you were surprised by the number of people that were there on Christmas Day. I was very surprised. There were pretty much all the tables were taken by people having lunch in the little cafe, in the cafe area, in the downstairs, the first floor cafe area, because when we got when we got there, um, it was was around lunchtime and um kid one had a six o'clock flight so she was ready for lunch yeah we sat and had some lunch and then we saw the exhibits and it wasn't too bad there was a lot of walking around but i wasn't too terribly tired and and there's there's enough space in the actual museum that even though it felt crowded in the cafe the rest of the place didn't really feel very crowded yeah and it's a really nice it's a very nice museum museum. really 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 pretty set up nice layout uh you get a good flow from one exhibit to another you see some really cool stuff um they had the uh, uh, they have the terracotta war. They have some of the terracotta warriors or what do they say? An 10? estimated 8,000. And a lot of them have not yet actually been unearthed, mm-hmm. but they had about 10. And then they had, I think one or two horses mm-hmm. and some other things. Um, so it was a really neat exhibit. Um, but they had like Roman art, Egyptian, South American, native American. They had modern, which I kind of like walked really quickly back. <laughs> um, they had some Fabergé stuff. So, yeah, it was really neat. It was really neat. Uh, I would definitely go back. So so that was nice. And then uh, Christmas itself was, you know, a fairly low-key affair. I, I will say I was bummed because we started a new tradition a couple of years ago of ordering Chinese food on Christmas Day. Yes. And not having a big Christmas dinner. Right. We never have. Because you you make, you usually, like, you make a, a, a big usually Christmas have a big breakfast, breakfast slash brunch. Right. But the, because I had to pick up the kid at the airport an hour and a half away, we didn't year. do it this year. So we were going to do our Chinese food feast. And there's a really good Chinese restaurant. Like, really surprisingly good uh, in a small town about 20 miles away from us. And they were closed. I know. They weren't open on I Christmas. I was so bummed. So we had to deal with the not-so-great Chinese that was yeah, very local, close to us. And uh, it was okay. Yeah, it's only it ever okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, so that was nice. And we had um, game night. And then... Um, Tuesday, we headed up to Thomas Jefferson's crib, and we hung out at uh, Montpelier Monticello. with the whole Monticello. That's right. Montpelier is the other Ma- is another Madison. James Madison. Yeah, we did that a we, couple we've months ago. We've done that. Yeah. Yep. But what is with all the M's? Uh, Latin, oh. Italian, Monticello's, you know, I think like Little Mountain. Because there's Monticello, Montpelier, mm-hmm. Mount Vernon. Montpelier actually might be French. Okay. Mount Vernon. Yeah. Well, a lot of these are like mounts, have you noticed? Yeah. You know? Well, that's because they're all obnoxious and they're putting themselves on the top of a mountain to make sure that they're <laughs> higher and above her than everybody. Especially Jefferson. Jeez. 
Can you imagine the hubris of somebody building that place on the top of a cliff? At the top of a mountain? In the 1700s? Yeah. Well, and actually, did you see the part in the museum where they actually leveled off the top of yes. the mountain? Yes! With backpicking label, they had to make the top of it flat so he could even build his house. Right. And then all the water had to be carted, carted up. up from the river. Yep. Like, dude, really? Yeah. I mean, it's a nice place and all, but wow, it's a good thing you had the labor back, you know, the labor <laughs> base that you had. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't a free enterprise uh, in a you know minimum wage might not have no. allowed for a lot of trouble to be built. <laughs> no, but, I don't uh, think so. <laughs> but it is, you know, it, it's pretty amazing. So we we were there and we uh, hung out in uh, downtown Charlottesville for a uh, a little bit and had some uh, dinner down there. Yep. And it was, you know, it was, it was a quiet week. It was yeah, kind of a staycation. We were both off, but uh, you. Wednesday, so then and, it was all over with. So yeah, and there was you know a lot of you know just like I, I took oldest daughter back to the airport and you know got an oil change. It was just like keeping up with the the, the stuff that yeah. you got to do. In fact, uh, so one note on that, I had a story on Cam and Company uh, today about. Beaver County, Pennsylvania, the concealed carry licenses were up about 7% this year. They had a huge rush at the end of the year, and the sheriff said it's because people are off. Yeah. And they actually have the time to go to the sheriff's office. And I was like, uh, totally makes sense. Like, I would have thought it would have been the first of the year. People make their New Year's resolutions. Yeah, but you don't get it. You only get the first off. Right. Then you don't get off until the 15th, and then everybody else, all the federal, clo- most of the federal offices are also yeah, closed. Yeah, so, so. that week. It was those three days between Christmas and New Year's. There was yeah. a huge rush, apparently. So That's funny. There you go. Uh, all right, we are going to take a quick timeout. We will uh, we will let you depart, Missy. Thank, Thank you for you. being a part of the program. And uh, you can always email Missy, 40acrefool at gmail.com. If she doesn't reply, she at least reads them. Yes, I do. Because sometimes I let you reply because you're the writer. Well, and you also got a lot of stuff that you're dealing with. Yeah, so. I got a way too much stuff that I'm dealing with right now. And I'm still trying to work and work around this. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fun. But uh, I go back on the 18th, and then three weeks after that, I have a CT scan, and we should know whether this is working. Yep. So everybody just keep sending good thoughts. Yes. That was, that was one other thing that uh, that I did while I was on my vacation, but I'll talk about that after a quick timeout. <laughs> there you go. So, all right, stick around. We've got more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up next. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back here to 40 Acres and a Fool on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, so uh, it's only been a matter of seconds for you, but it's been an entire evening for me. So it is uh, now Thursday morning. Uh, Miss E went to bed shortly after the uh, second segment there of the... uh, uh, podcast. I ended up walking the dogs, and when I uh, got outside, I noticed that it had started snowing. So we had that. Uh, what was it called? The bomb cyclone. Yeah, I, I love how they're just like throwing out these weather terms that I've never heard before. Uh, I know they've been around, but they've been sort of like weather geeky terms. I don't know. To me, it just seems like an attempt to try to get us more interested in you know a winter storm. It happens. It's it's winter. That's 
That's what happens in the winter. We get snow. Uh, so anyway, we had this, you know, winter storm. I guess it was pretty bad for the uh, coastal counties all up and down the East Coast. We're not a coastal county. We are smack dab in the middle of Virginia. So we just got some flurries. Uh, it was pretty to walk around in. Zelda was romping around in the snow. So was Booker this morning. Uh, but our schools were closed this morning, which really, really surprised me because I had absolutely no trouble whatsoever getting to work this morning. Um, I guess it's because some of the back roads uh, are not going to get plowed. There's going to be, you know, a coating of snow on them. Then maybe they're worried about the uh, the buses, uh, you know, slipping and sliding on the back roads. I, I guess, I guess it still just didn't seem like it was going to be much of an issue, but uh, whatever. Better safe than sorry, I suppose. So my kids um, went back to school on Wednesday. Uh, two-hour delay, and then uh, now school has been canceled. So they're, and I'm guessing that tomorrow they're going to be on at least a two-hour delay as well. Uh, perhaps school will be canceled again. So they may get an extra, almost an entire extra week of Christmas vacation because of an eighth of an inch of snow in our area. How about that? I was also thinking uh, as I was walking the dogs last night that it has been five years since we moved to the farm. And Missy and I, you know, we've been so caught up in what's going on right now in our lives that we really haven't had a chance to kind of look back on the past five years. And I've, I've been doing that. I uh, stayed up a little bit last night thinking about just, you know, how much has changed in the five years uh, since we moved in. And I can remember feeling so scared and uh, and excited at the same time. This was such a challenge. This was the hardest and the craziest thing that uh, Missy and I had done in, at that point, 15 years of marriage. Uh, moving three hours away from my job and moving to a farm when we had only lived in the suburbs and cities before, um, that was a big deal. And, you know, it was a big deal not only for us, it was a big deal for our kids. It was a huge adjustment for our son, who's now a senior in high school, and, you know, took him out of really the only community that he remembered and, and knew and plopped him down in this, you know, brand new school district in a completely different environment than what he was used to. Couldn't walk up to Blockbuster or uh, Starbucks anymore. Couldn't really walk anywhere except, you know, around a farm. Uh, that was a big deal for them, too. And, you know, five years on, I, I certainly don't have any regrets. I wouldn't change anything that we did. But I certainly don't think I realized everything that we were getting into. Right. And that's always the case, I guess, when you make that that big plunge, you know, your life kind of comes to a fork in the road and you've got to decide which road you're going to go down. You can only look so far ahead. You can't look past the turns and the twists, and so you don't know exactly what's coming. Uh, but I got to say, you know, the past five years, what we've been able to do and the life that we've been able to live, I think has been certainly incredibly beneficial to me. Uh, I think that it has been beneficial to the kids, although I'm not sure that they realize it or understand it yet. Hopefully, as they get older, uh, they will realize the benefits of, you know, living in a rural environment and uh, having chores that most kids wouldn't 
have and, and hopefully having responsibilities that uh, most kids wouldn't have. I know that that's something that Missy and I still actually struggle with is giving them those responsibilities. But for me, certainly, uh, there have been some big changes. You know, I didn't know anything about raising animals. I knew very, very little about where my food came from. I was sort of blissfully ignorant uh, about the food that I was eating. And five years on, you know, look, I, I can't say that I have completely changed my lifestyle. I didn't really want to. Uh, but I am definitely more aware now of where my food comes from, not just the food that we raise on the farm, whether it's the bacon seeds or uh, chicken or a lovely goat hero uh, or even the, you know, fruits and, well, the veggies uh, that we raise on the farm. You know, when I go out to a restaurant now, if I'm eating a hamburger at McDonald's, I still understand that that hamburger was once a cow. Uh, and I do think about, not just, I wouldn't say sustainable farming, um, but certainly humane conditions. Uh, if I've become crunchier over the past five years, that's probably the area where I have become um, more uh, crunchy and granola-esque. I, I do appreciate and I like the fact that our pigs aren't, you know, asked to snout uh, in some concrete uh, floored building for their entire lives. I, I like the fact that they get to see the sunrise and they get to see the full moon and they get to eat the uh, grass with dew on it on a you know July morning. And yeah, they get to hunker down under the straw uh, in January when it's 15 degrees out. Uh, I'm not saying that their life is always wonderful, but I think as far as a pig's life goes, it's pretty damn good. And I like the fact that we're able to provide that for those animals. I would love to see, and in 2018, I'm trying hard not to make New Year's resolutions because I'm not sure what 2018 is going to be like, quite honestly, and I want to be realistic. But that's something that, right along with our right to keep and bear arms, our, our, our freedom and our liberty to protect our lives and the people that we love, uh, I am becoming increasingly passionate about sustaining this rural way of life for small farmers and what that looks like in the 21st century. I don't think it looks like selling raw water to dupes. I'd like to think that it involves real agriculture, but I think that we're facing some real challenges. And, you know, going forward, we talk about what it means to be a conservative, and this is something I've been thinking also a lot about and may even talk about this on the podcast uh, in the weeks to come. When you talk about being a conservative and what it means to be a conservative, to me, the big question is always, well, what are you conserving? And I think that's a real interesting question to ask about small town America, about the rural life in 2018. What about these places and these things and this life are we trying to conserve and hold on to? And what changes are we willing to accept? What changes are inevitable, whether we like it or not? 
that's that's a topic I want to uh, certainly explore here on the podcast in 2018, and. Um, and maybe even beyond that. All right, we're going to step away for just a moment or two. We do have uh, one more segment still to come, so stick around. There's more 40 Acres and a Fool on the way. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The Glenn Beck Program. I really think the American people are done with the lies. They're done with the covering up for somebody who you're like, you know what? I, I think he did it. They don't want any more of that. They don't want any more scandal. They don't want any more trouble. They just want people to go in and do their damn job. That's the message that I got from Alabama. The Glenn Beck Program. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back here to 40 Acres and a Fool. Cam Edwards with you for one more segment. Uh, our email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. A couple of questions that I will ask you this week. I would love to hear from you. First of all, what are your uh, garden plans? For 2018, even expanded beyond your garden. Uh, I know we talk a lot about that, uh, you know, here on the program, but I'm curious, do do you have plans to start raising livestock, whether it's, you know, a couple of chickens, whether you want to try pigs? Uh, what are your plans for your, uh, uh, quote unquote, 40 acres in 2018? That's that's one of the questions that I have for you. I'll ask you another one here before we uh, uh, end the podcast. But we were talking, uh, Missy and I were, uh, and I said that I had one more story to talk about over the holidays. When I was up in PA uh, visiting uh, Hershey, um, on my way back down, actually on the way up, I had passed this place. And I've passed it a couple of times before when I've driven up to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania for the Great American Outdoor Show. It's in Emmitsburg, Maryland, which is this little town. It seems to be smaller than Farmville. Um, and there on this hillside, you've got Mount St. Mary's University, which is a Catholic university. But you've also got the National Shrine for St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. And I've always seen the signs. And I've never, I've, it's usually driving either late at night or really early in the morning. Uh, so I've never been able to stop I wanted to stop this time. Um, I am not Catholic. I went to Catholic school growing up in Oklahoma, uh, but I'm not Catholic myself. But uh, I don't know. I guess it's in any port in the storm mentality um, when it comes to Miss C's health. I've certainly been saying my prayers every night, and it just seemed like that was a place. I don't know. There was something that was calling me. So as I was driving home, I decided to go out of my way a little bit, uh, add a little bit of time to my drive, and I was going to drive back down through Emmitsburg, and I was going to stop. And I, I did. Uh, there's a beautiful, just absolutely beautiful basilica uh, there in Emmitsburg, Maryland. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, there's a little museum uh, there in the basilica that talks about uh, Elizabeth Ann Seton's life. I knew nothing about Elizabeth Ann Seton when I walked in. And so I was 
really surprised by what I learned about her. Um, when you think of saints, at least when I think of saints, I think of, uh, you know, like St. Francis of Assisi and, uh, you know, uh, people back in the really early days and, you know, leading these incredibly uh, pious lives, uh, almost a life of an aesthetic, right? Uh, and suffering greatly, uh, becoming martyrs for the faith. That, that's what I think of when I think of saints. Elizabeth Ann Seton lived in, she was born in 1774 in New York, um, grew up and lived in the aristocracy of uh, the, you know, colonial era and then the uh, era of the New Republic. Her father was a wealthy physician. Uh, she married into a very wealthy shipping family, um, had, I think, a total of seven kids. You know, she was a, quote unquote, normal wife and mom. And she became a saint. And that was fascinating to me. She uh, she lost her husband. Her husband had tuberculosis, uh, it's believed, when they got married. Had had, had it for most of his life. And um, a few years into their marriage, uh, he was really sick. There was um, and so they decided to go to Italy for his health. There was a an outbreak of yellow fever in New York, and so when they arrived in Italy, they were placed in quarantine for what was supposed to be 60 days. They ultimately shortened it down to 30 days, but it didn't matter. Her husband passed away. So, you know, she goes to Italy to, to save her husband's life. Instead, he ends up dying. Um, it's there that she talks with some family friends and actually begins the process of converting to Catholicism. She wasn't a Catholic either. Uh, and she goes on uh, to become a Catholic at a time in which Catholicism was viewed very, very skeptically in the United States. There was a lot of anti-Catholic uh, sentiment. Uh, ended up establishing the first religious order uh, in the United States for, for Catholics um, and just did some incredible things. She ended up passing away at the age of 47. She died very early. And I'm actually in the process right now of reading a biography of Elizabeth Ann Seton because I was so fascinated by just the little that I learned while I was there at the shrine. She seems like such a really interesting figure. But again, I knew nothing about her when I decided to stop. And as I'm reading about her, being a wife, being a mom, and how important those things were in her life, I, I don't know, I had that little flash of serendipity like that was just where I was supposed to be. So I walked into the Basilica. I uh, found a pew to sit in and I sat and I prayed for I don't know how long and I uh, made an offering and lit a votive candle and, and and left and as I was leaving maybe this was my mind maybe not but as I was leaving the basilica and walking outside it was a cold gray kind of rainy day not even a rainy day like a misting day as I walked outside, instead of getting hit with that, that, that cold that would just sink into your bones, I got this warm feeling. And the closest thing that I can describe it as, it was like a hug from your mom when you really needed one. And that feeling lasted until I got to my car, got in, started to drive away. 
Um, I don't know what it means. Like I said, could be my mind. Could not be. But uh, I do know that when I go back that way, here in about a month or so, to the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which I hope uh, I will get a chance to see you at, I do know that I'm going to be stopping back by the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton uh, to uh, sit in prayer and contemplation again. If you want more information, by the way, about the shrine, it's uh, setonshrine.org. And uh, just throwing this out here as a request, if there are any Catholics who listen to 40 Acres and a Fool, um, if you would uh, like to uh, ask uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton to uh, intercede on Miss E's behalf, I would be eternally grateful to you as well. So there you go. I don't normally talk religion here on uh, 40 Acres and a Fool, but that was that was a big experience for me over the uh, holiday break. So when we talk about, you know, what I've been up to, well, that was a biggie. All right. I hope that you have a fantastic week. Uh, I will say one realistic, and I'm, 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 I'm guaranteeing to make this a realistic New Year's resolution. <clears throat> I really want to get back on a weekly schedule. And I apologize for the sort of sporadic and erratic nature of the podcast over the past couple of months. I know you understand. But at the same time, it, it's still kind of annoying. So uh, it is my goal to do this once a week. The podcast might be a little bit shorter than they've been in the past, but we will have a weekly 40 acres in a full because this means a lot to me. Hearing from you means a lot to me. And thank you so much for being a part of this community. Until we get a chance to talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little and learn a lot. And we'll talk to you soon here with more 40 acres in a full. 40 acres in a full with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.